The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hey, somehow you were able to find the Grow Your Side Business podcast, and I thank you. I'm glad you're listening. You've been sharing, you've been liking, but here's one thing I want to be able to do. We want even more people just like you to find this show. Now, the best way that people discover this show is leaving a review. So if you would do me a favor, leave a review. It literally takes five seconds. We're trying to get up to a thousand reviews across all of our platforms. So it doesn't matter where you listen to this podcast. Just go in, tap in, leave us a review. I would absolutely be so grateful that you did so that other people can hear it. Let's get back to the show. This interview I'm really excited about because it's not too often that you get a chance to meet people who are the reason behind some of the biggest names. The gentlemen, the men who are responsible for a whole lot going on, including what you see, Mike and AJ. We're storytellers, right? That's what we are, is we're taking that story that's in his head that he just told me, and now I need to communicate that online so that he can tell that story to anybody that visits his website. You can envision the personality of that business and brand just by thinking about it, right? What helps somebody become enamored with you and your brand and get to know you as a person or as a brand itself? Well, those stories and what you stand for. Us coming together was kind of a unique pairing. It was like fire and ice coming together, this big explosion of like creativity and perspective. Hey, my name is Chris Williams and you are now listening to the Grow Your Side Business Podcast. I help ambitious employees grow a profitable side business. If you haven't had an opportunity yet, go check out growyoursidebusiness.com where we've got all the content, the tips, the strategies, and more. You're in the right place at the right time and we're here to help you grow a serious profitable side business. Let's listen to today's episode. We're gonna get all into their background, but before we get down any further, I wanna introduce some and present to others the gentlemen, the men who are responsible for a whole lot going on, including what you see that I have all in our sites as well, Mike and AJ. Fellas, how are you guys doing, man? Dude, Chris, what an intro, man. <laughs> I love it. Can't wait, to, hey, can't wait to meet the guys you were just talking about. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, I'm on the road, man. I travel. So anytime you guys need somebody to pull up, I got you. So, <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. so listen, there, there's a lot I want to cover, and I, and I want to make sure that we're, we're respectful of your time. So I, I want to start here first. Um, you know, my audience are what we like to call successfully discontent. They got the job, the house, the car, the money. They got the title, but they know that there's something's missing. And at some point, all of us who've been through corporate America have given ourselves permission to actually go out there and find something that would give us the joy back. And many of us have found that entrepreneurship was that thing that would give us that challenge that would wake us up again. I want to start with you, Mike, because, um, you know, with with what you've done and and the things that you've been building and are building today, you know, I want to hear kind of let's start at the beginning. Before what you guys are doing now, before ever meeting a Russell Brunson, before any of the stuff that's happened, who was Mike and what was Mike doing? And then AJ, I want to talk. I want you to then tell us, like, how in the heck did you two meet? <laughs> awesome. Well, Chris, you know who I was before 
what we're doing now, I mean, it's been a long journey. I started a website design company in 2003. You, know, you think about what was happening in 2003 for those of you guys who like were around back then. We've got uh, uh, Google was not the top search engine. YouTube was not around. Facebook was not a thing, right? We weren't carrying around smartphones in our pocket. So you think there's so much change that's happened um, in the 20 plus years that we've been in business. Um, and we've, you know, had to figure out things along the way. And so, you know, I just started to start, to start a web design company. Uh, you know, Asia and I kind of have a different story. I came out of college, <laughs> right? Not having a job, no job prospects. And I was just like, well, maybe I could keep on building websites I had done for a while. Whereas AJ you know, has been the corporate background, had been that stuff. And so like us coming together was kind of a unique pairing. It was like, you know, fire and ice coming together, this big explosion of like creativity and perspective on the world. Cause there's stuff that I just didn't know how the world worked and that worked in my favor. And there was stuff that he knew about the way the world worked and that came in his favor and us coming together really has set us on a track for creating an amazing business um, and lots of opportunities to, to help people in their careers to develop and create the kind of business that they love and that they, they want um, to really help them transform and change their lives. Yeah, 100%. So the way that Mike and I met, I was actually working in a corporate environment. I grew up at Intuit. Uh, climbing the corporate ladder there and, and got pretty far up there, um, at least hopefully here in Tucson. And uh, what I always felt, though, was that I was a very small cog in a huge machine, right? And just like you described, I was successful, but I felt like there was something missing, right? I didn't feel like I could really understand the value that I was providing to the world. And I had started a side hustle. I'd started my own digital marketing agency and building websites and tinkering with that stuff and got a couple of clients, but it never really went much further than that. But when I left into it, um, I decided to join AnchorWave. AnchorWave was a web design uh, business that had some legs, it had some momentum. Um, and I'm so glad that I did that because he had put out a job ad for web strategist, which is something I felt I could totally do, right? I had already been working it into it, managing the online communities for like QuickBooks and TurboTax and Quicken. And I'm like, I know a lot about the web. And I know that if he wants me to help provide strategy to people, I could do that. And so I joined the company and I'll tell you what, just like Mike described, I added a lot of value right away because I just grew up in that corporate world and things I thought were so simple, right? Like having a meeting agenda, like having, <laughs> like just having like a processes in place were things that were like not a focus of Mike at the time. And so when I was able to bring some of that stuff into his business, man, things just took off and it wasn't long until we became partners. You know, what's interesting about like what I'm hearing is there, there's obviously was it, I would imagine there was some time to figure out, well, what is Mike good at and what is AJ good at and how do we put these things together? Talk to me about what, what approach did you guys take to figuring out how we could work well together? Because I will tell you, obviously most corporate people, and you know this AJ, like, it's kind of the solopreneur game, right? We, we mm -hmm. see ourselves, you know, I'm revisiting uh, E-Myth, you know, the book, right? And and yeah, I realize that for many people, it's so easy to think that you can do it all until mm -hmm. you realize that you can't, right? <laughs> so, so how yeah. did you guys, what were those conversations like? And how did you figure out what actually worked to put the pieces together to actually build something that was profitable? Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think, you know, for us, it was a lot of just trying to figure out 
where our lanes were and what we were good at, right? So AJ kind of touched on that. Like, you know, I was doing things in business just like by mistake, if it's probably the best way to explain it. I was just didn't know what I didn't know. And so I was just going out there trying to figure out how how to sell websites, how to deliver digital marketing and 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 charge somebody for it and, and have them happy at the end of, end of the day. And so like AJ coming in, you know, the, the pain that I was experiencing at the time that him and I met was um, I was doing all the work myself, right? I had maybe a small team at that point, but a lot of things fell on my shoulder. But one of the things I was doing 100% myself was sales. And I'll tell you what, like I was not born a salesperson. Like my dad was actually in sales for much of his career. And um, I saw what he did. No disrespect to my dad. I, I just like didn't want to be that guy. Like I didn't get into this business because I wanted to sell. However, I found myself very much entrenched in selling every single day. And so my bright idea was, okay, well, how can I find somebody to help me sell? Now, before AJ and I met, I actually had two different people had hired as, as salespeople. The first guy uh, quit on me after working for me for more than six months. You want to know why he quit? It's because he came to me and says, Mike, I haven't sold anything and I think you should fire me. <laughs> I was like, I was like, man, like, are you sure? I'm like, <laughs> like, he's telling me he's quitting because he hadn't sold anything yet. And I'm trying to convince him to stay. And I'm, it was like crazy, right? So like he left, great guy, um, hired another guy. Uh, he, I think, sold like one thing in the four or five months he worked for me. He then quit. Also, um, he also then tried to collect unemployment after that. I was like, what is, what is this? And so I, I kind of threw in the towels. Like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I think I'll just take on sales because I, I clearly don't know how to delegate this to someone else. And so AJ mentioned it earlier. I posted an ad for not salesperson like I had done previously. I posted an ad for website strategist, um, which was I figured, you know what? I just need somebody to come in call all the people that we've ever done work with and just like ask them how they're doing and seeing if they need any more strategy. Right. And that's, that's what happened. So like AJ came in and so it was, it was like a quick ignition of success because I had built this, this foundation of people who knew, like, and trusted us. But what I was missing was the processes and the systems to go out there and talk to them. And AJ says all the time, right? Like if that job ad would have said salesperson. Yeah. I'd still be working into it. <laughs> right. And so him coming in, though, coming with that strategy, I think is what, you know, kind of, you know, organically led to us having a really strong working relationship together. And that, like, quite honestly, I don't know that I spent much time, like, thinking about, like, how, what's he going to do? What's I'm going to do? It's just like, what is the point? What is the pain that we're experiencing right now? And then how, um, how can we solve that? And it's like, that's what I think is really cool about entrepreneurship. And, and, I, and I've learned this about the corporate world is that sometimes entrepreneurship has, like, an accelerant put on it. Like, like the, the things that we do get done in a day as entrepreneurs mm -hmm. are, are, are rapid and they happen so fast that you compare that same thing in a corporate environment. Like that's going to take three, six months, a year plus 18 months. Right. And that's even before you start the project. Right. <laughs> and so I, I, I think that one of the things that I've seen in working with AJ is that, you know, we've had, we've figured out how to move quickly and, and especially in our business of teaching and coaching other agency owners is that especially the ones that come from an area of, of a background in corporate is that not only is it okay to move fast and make decisions quickly. In fact, it's kind of required in this space. hundred percent. Yeah. I think the thing that I'd add to that is when I was early on in web strategy, AKA sales with Mike, 
one of the things I quickly realized is that Mike had an upper limit on what he would sell things for. Like in his mind, it was like 7,500 bucks or something like that. And, and you're being generous. <laughs> it's probably closer to six grand. Yeah, I just noticed every time he went out and sold a website, it was always six grand. It, it didn't matter what website it was, how many pages it was, it was always six grand. And we had got this, um, this uh, prospect that came in that was the Center for Neurosciences, right? It was like 20 brain surgeons. Literal that, brain surgeons. That came together in the center, right? And they were asking us for a website. And so we're putting together for the proposal. And of course, Mike wants to do $6,000. I'm like, dude, these are 20 brain surgeons. We are not doing this for $6,000. And know? their office was like Taj Mahal, basically. <laughs> it was like a spectacle. It was beautiful. Yeah. And I mean, coming from into it, I had hired a lot of vendors to help with our stuff. And like, they wouldn't even touch a button on our website for less than 30 grand, right? So I'm used to seeing a lot bigger numbers than Mike was used to seeing. So like, I think I like doubled or tripled that. And he's like, well, what are we gonna do different for that? I said, nothing. We're not gonna do anything different. We just changed this investment amount to this. And he's like, well, fine, but you're gonna pitch it. And I was like, all right, let's go, I'll go in there. So went in there, pitched it. Of course, they didn't even bat an eye. I mean. Now we'd probably go in with four times that amount, but you know, that was something that I was able to bring from being in that corporate environment and just seeing bigger numbers. That was not something that Mike had in his arsenal. Hey, somehow you were able to find the grow your side business podcast. And I thank you. I'm glad you're listening. You've been sharing, you've been liking, but here's one thing I want to be able to do. We want even more people just like you to find this show. Now, the best way that people discover this show is leaving a review. So if you would do me a favor, leave a review. It literally takes five seconds. We're trying to get up to a thousand reviews across all of our platforms. So it doesn't matter where you listen to this podcast. Just go in, tap in, leave us a review. I would absolutely be so grateful that you did so that other people can hear it. Let's get back to the show. You know, it's interesting. You guys bring up this, this journey that you guys are on. And, you know, I've heard Alex Hermosi talk about this before, and I think it's so true. You know, he talks about the fact that the amount of decisions that he'll make in a day is the reason why he'll run circles around most companies. Because mm -hmm. he's willing to make decisions and move forward. A lot right. of people in corporate struggle with making decisions fast because that's just not how corporate does it. Sorry, mm -hmm. friends. It's just not the way it happens <laughs> in corporate. It takes a long time, right? Projects mm -hmm. have to be approved by several different layers and all this other stuff and da 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 da, da right? Talk to me about where you saw the benefits early as you guys were collaborating on making decisions early because a lot of people think make a decision fast but i will tell you the nuance that most people are afraid of making the wrong decision and failing and what i've mm -hmm. learned from a lot of my entrepreneurship friends they don't care about the failure what they care about is that we move quickly and did we move away from the failure quickly not just get stuck at it you know uh one of the things i, I like to talk about you know with our community is you know learning how to not live from a moment, but get past the moment, right? And mm -hmm. a lot of times in business, you have a lot more failures than you will have us, right? So how did you guys get comfortable with that idea of we're going to move fast and hey, even if we fail, it's okay, but we got to move on past this failure. Right. Well, I mean, there's like nothing quite like a looming payroll to make you want to move <laughs> fast, right? And like, now that did start that way, right? Of course, you know, at the beginning, I was barely paying myself anything and it was just like try trying to make it work. But like there's there's 
pressure and there's stress, there's good versions of that and there's bad versions of it, right? And putting ourselves in situations where you have to win and where you have to make a decision is is kind of key. And, and I think that where, where entrepreneurship gets exciting is when we have these big wins, but we can't have these wins unless we have a series of learnings that lead up to it, right? We need to learn things in order to figure out how we're going to move forward. So, you know, I, I'm not sure who says, I know, I think Myron Golden says this, um, and maybe some other folks too, but it's, it, there's, it's not losing, it's learning, right? We don't lose, we learn, mm-hmm. right? And so it's either we win or we learn. And so I think that having a rapid succession of those things uh, is, is what's necessary for big things to happen. Now, it sounds good, right? It's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I'll just like take a look at this failure as like a positive thing. It's, it's not easy in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. But I can tell you without a doubt that 100% of the things that we've messed up and failed at have all led to a better thing happening. Mm-hmm. And the hardest thing is to look at it in that moment for that. And you know what? You might not, right? There mm-hmm. are things that go on in our lives right now, right? I have challenges today mm-hmm. that I look at and I'm like, I don't know if there's a le- lesson in that. <laughs> I think I'm doomed. I think everything's going to fall apart and I'm going to die and, mm-hmm. and all that, right? Like we go, th- we go there, right? But there are, I have to look at the track record of that 100%, 100% of the things that we've messed up in the past have turned into better things later on. And I think we just have to get comfortable with, with that environment. And, and it's, like I said, not easy to do that in the moment. Like we can only really look back and appreciate it. But I think if you're having a hard time with it, look back to your past challenges. Where have you failed before and what did you learn from it? And, and would you now go back and change that? Right. And for me, I have a hard time thinking even the hardest things that I've done, employees that have quit, uh, contracts that I got sued over, um, times where I undercharged and made no money, like all those things. Like if I could go back in time and change the circumstances, like would I? And and I I can tell you confidently, no, because I learned something important about that that I've carried forward. I was bound to make those mistakes. You are bound to make mistakes. The question is, what are you going to learn from it? And how can you use those mistakes, not as um, failure points of feeling bad about, but building blocks into the next bigger thing? 100%. Yeah, we just literally got off a call with one of our mastermind members who came from a corporate environment, was telling the story about how entrepreneurship has made her humble. She's like, in a corporate world, it's designed for me to win, right? There's there's not as much risk that there. There's structure there. There's process there. There's coaches there. There's experts there. There's all these resources that are there for you to just show up and win, right? Entrepreneurship's not that way. You're walking into a situation where none of that structure is there, yeah. right? There's no boss that's telling you what to do. There's no HR department that's keeping tabs of things. Like there's mm-hmm. none of this stuff going on. And so what you need to learn very quickly is that any direction you go in, you might take the wrong step, right? It might not be the right way to go, but you're gonna learn very quickly that you just need to pick yourself back up and go the opposite direction, right? And so we have to get practice that muscle of winning or learning, right? Not losing and not staying on the ground and feeling bad about it and being like, I suck or being frozen and not being willing to take a step because, oh man, I don't know if that's the right direction or not, right? You've got to just go for it. And so Mike and I have just got very good at putting ourselves in situations where we can come to agreement on something and then move rapidly towards it. And guess what? It might work. It might not. We don't know until we actually put it out there. And when it does, it's great. And when it doesn't, back to the drawing board. Let's trip to plan our next Absolutely. Step. You, you know, um, it makes me think about all the other parts, though, that come with 
being an entrepreneur, right? Um, you, you know, I, I know that family becomes an immensely uh, assumed pressurized or real pressure thing mm -hmm. when you're starting that side business or you're growing the business, right? How have mm -hmm. you guys approached either getting your family involved, maybe keeping your family out of it? <laughs> um, what has been kind of the thing that you found that good? Because I kind of consider it like a balancing act of, you know, uh, how much do I say or not say to my spouse, right? Depending on how crazy what might be going on, right? Um, right. And, and then when you have children, it's even greater because there's running the business and then running my home and being mm -hmm. present. And sometimes eh, we struggle with that a little bit. Even corporate people have understood that sometimes it's just hard, right? How have you guys mm -hmm. approached family as, as you guys have continued to build uh, your business? One of the things I've always appreciated about Mike is that he always wanted us to have like a good solid work-life balance, right? And one of the things that he talks about a lot is that the way that you create that today is the way it's going to be forever, right? Like there's so many people I think that are like, you know what, I'm going to grind it out for the next year. And then after that, you know, I'll get to a point where I can start to like ease up. But when you design the business in that way from the get-go, it's going to remain that way. There's never going to be this moment in time where some magic fairy is going to come out and be like, cool, now you have time to be free, right? Like, but if you put your own constraints on it from the beginning and force the business to grow within those constraints, then that's where you'll be able to maintain that work-life balance. And so I think it's important for everybody to think about that now, because if you're the type of person that's like, you know what, I need to work 16 hour, 18 hour days in order to make this work, you will fill the time. You will fill the time with things to do. Now, whether those things are really adding value or not, we can probably debate, but you will definitely fill that time and then get burnt out over time, right? If you collapse that time into something smaller and be like, this is what I could commit to growing this side hustle or to growing my business, guess what? You will get very good at doing the things that need to get done in that amount of time to allow you for that extra time to spend at home because I don't like to go back and forth. You know, I like to call it the end of the day and it'd be pretty much the end of the day. You know, like I don't like to go pound on the keyboard at night. I like to spend time with my family or spend time doing the things that I like to do, but we've engineered it that way from the start. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And I think that when it comes to getting our families to, to mm -hmm. buy into our businesses, right? Like, like trust is a building block. Mm -hmm. And like today, if, I want to go join a $50,000 mastermind or make an investment in my business or travel for a conference. There's not a lot of convincing that I need to do with my wife about that, right? She understands it. She supports it. But at the beginning, I think there were some question marks for her. She's like, can this guy do what he says <laughs> is possible, right? And, and I could only imagine, especially if your family is used to having you, um, you know, this, this, perception of support and job security that might exist in a corporate environment, that shifting into an environment where now it's all on, on you, right, is probably a change. And I think we have to acknowledge and honor that shift. Um, when I first started my business, I was just graduating from college. And I was so excited that I told everybody, all my friends who were graduating around the same time, I'm like, dude, you got to start a business. It's the most amazing thing ever. You're going to love it. Um, and like nobody was really listening to me because they were all going to get their jobs right like starting to climb their ladders climb those corporate ladders 
And um, one day I was telling my wife and I was saying the same thing to her. I'm like, you got to start this business. You could do this. You could do that. And um, she like snapped at me. She's like, Mike, stop it. Not everybody wants to start an effing business. I was like, it was the first time that had ever occurred to me. Like, oh, really? I'm like, why not? Why not? Like, she's like, not everybody wants to do that. Like, they went to college. They did this thing. They're going to get their job. That's their version of success. That's what they're chasing. Like, stop trying to convince all these people. And I honestly thought I was just trying to save people. I'm like, you're about to go into this job forever. And you're not going to make, you're going to be this upper limit of earning potential and all. Like, I thought I was doing my favor. It turns out I was being a colossal jerk, right? And what I learned in that is, listen, not everybody is cut out for business, right? They can get there, but not everybody starts there. So we have to understand that's with our family too, mm -hmm. right? Our families, our spouses, our kids may not realize or understand what it is that we're getting ourselves into. So that's why it's so important that we give them and share as much as we can about our businesses with them, help them understand what is it we're doing, who we're helping, what's the impact we're making. And every win that you have, no matter how small, share that, right? My wife now is starting her own business, right? After years of telling me that not everybody wants to start their own business, right? And earlier today, walked in and she's, I just sold my first high ticket client. And it's like, we're, like high, -fiving. we're high five. It's so exciting, right? And so, but I'll tell you what, that's not the first win that she shared with me, right? She takes a picture for every hundred followers she gets on Instagram and puts a... We had it up earlier. We, we borrowed the eight balloon for a meeting we were on, but she has this big balloon that shows the number of people that she was on Instagram. And like, those are little wins. And guess what? Like those, that's confidence in me growing about her business. And so what are the things that you can pull out of your business? Hey, I just, I just scheduled this meeting. Hey, I just got interviewed on this podcast. Hey, I just joined this program and I learned X, Y, and Z. Hey, I'm in this program and this other person that's also in it just sold a big client. And like, I'm so excited for them because if it's possible for them, Hey, it could be possible for me too. Right. Involve them in these things. I think communication and transparency is going to give, give a long way, especially for the families and the spouses who are not, um, not yet cut out to be an entrepreneurial family. We're, we have to, just like, we have to become entrepreneurial ourselves, we have to train our families to become entrepreneurial families. Yeah, there is one caveat to, to that, though, is that you can't always expect them to understand or get as excited about some of these things as you do, right? And so that's where I think being part of communities where there are other entrepreneurs, you know, we have a community of other digital agency owners where they can actually share wins and we can all celebrate that stuff together and get why that's important because it does sometimes feel lonely, right? right? Like you're on this island, like you have what you think is like the biggest win of the week. And then you go out there and you go tell your kids or you go tell your wife and you get like this blank stare or, oh, that's nice. Right. That's nice, honey. Yeah. You know, like, and you're like, gosh, it just took like all the wind out of my sails. Yeah. And so you have to have an outlet where you can also talk shop to other people that are fighting the same fight as you and on this and on board and understand what you're talking about. Hey, somehow you were able to find the Grow Your Side Business podcast, and I thank you. I'm glad you're listening. You've been sharing, you've been liking, but here's one thing I want to be able to do. We want even more people just like you to find this show. Now, the best way that people discover this show is leaving a review. So if you would do me a favor, leave a review. It literally takes five seconds. We're trying to get up to a thousand reviews across all of our platforms. So it doesn't matter where you listen to this podcast. Just go in, tap in, leave us a review. I would absolutely be so grateful that you did so that other people can hear it. Let's get back to the show. Man, I, I think that's so cool. So I, I want to jump into this because um man, this has been a this has been a, a long conversation with a lot of people. 
you guys are probably gonna ruffle a whole lot of feathers, and I'm re- I'm here for all of it. I think this is gonna be great. <laughs> but websites. So there's there's the um, as in everything, things evolve, things change, um, and 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 we we have to do our best to either be early adopters or ride the curve or be the last laggers on the back of that bell curve, right? Um, and typically early adopters are the ones who kind of tend to win and also set the trends. Um, Mike, you were you were helping build actual websites for people. Um, so let's let's talk about the what should be the goal. Let's just start with websites. I'm gonna get to funnel homes in a minute because I just I, that's a <laughs> great conversation. But tell tell our audience, Mike, from your perspective, what should be the goal? of the .com, the .co, the .edu, when when I click on that person's site, what should be the goal of that business owner that I should have as an experience? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that everything boils down to overcoming objections, right? So when somebody lands on a website, they got there because of a search, they got there because they were driving down the road, they saw your truck and they ended up punching up your website, right? They ended up there because I asked Siri and Siri navigated them there, right? There was some question or some need or issue that preceded them getting to your site. And now that they're there, we need to answer those questions. And so, you know, the depending on the type of business, first you have to understand is like, what is the goal of where I want them to go? Do I want them to call me? Do I want them to buy something? Do I want them to have an impression or understanding of my brand, right? Those are all viable outcomes for a website. And so if we understand how somebody got there and where they want to go and what that goal is, then the job of the website is to bridge, create a bridge between those two gaps there. So if I'm going to hire a window cleaning company to come and clean my dirty windows before the big holiday dinner that I'm having everybody come over for, (laughs) right? My questions are like, what are they, right? Uh, How much is it? Do they service my area? I got two stories. Do I need to provide a ladder or do they, right? So what are all the questions that might prevent someone from taking the action that we want them to take? And how can we answer that followed by a call to action for them to get to the place we want them to go, right? And that's the job of any good website and that there are objections or common questions that people have, and we need to make sure that we're answering them. And that's what's going to help get them where they want to go, whether that be a call, buy something, or whatever the other goal might be. Absolutely. Now, now, AJ, I want to ask you this. So when you think about the context of that, and you think about we've got to be able to answer those objective, uh, objections, and we got to help that person. Uh, what, I, what I'm hearing Mike say is we got to help them make a decision. Right. Like we got to put the information on there for the, Hey, let's make a decision. Right. So we can move forward. When you were the, the website strategist, when, when you, as you've helped um, many solopreneurs, many entrepreneurs with, with, with small teams, large teams, as you, as you've helped products based businesses, online businesses, you know, the, the whole gambit, I'm sure you guys have seen and continue to, to, to see it. What have you noticed has been one of the common misconceptions as people bring you this Willy Wonka world in their head of like what they want the site to do uh, versus what actually should be done? Because I will tell you, 
I ran into that. I remember like spending ooh gobs of money on this idea that I let somebody like let me walk myself off that plank <laughs> only to find <laughs> out that 70% of that never needed to be on my site, right? So mm -hmm. how did, what is that? Why, why do we tend to put ourselves in these spaces where we think, well, I want the website to do everything as opposed to helping people say, no, he, here's the one or two things that it should do. How do you help people navigate that? Because you can't tell people they baby ugly. So, <laughs> so, yeah. so how do you help people through that, that process? <laughs> Definitely have a lot of these conversations, helping business, uh, business owners understand what should go on there. And usually that starts with me taking a deep dive on their story and what they're about and how they got to where they're at and what they do and what they don't do, what they like doing and, and, and really everything about them, right? Uh, if you've ever spoken to a business owner, I think business owners are kind of lonely, like I just said before, right? But they love talking about their business because they don't have anybody to talk to about it. And so when I would be taking a, you know, a strategy call with somebody, I would really try to get to the essence of who they were and what they were about. And I'd hear these amazing stories, right? With like this hero's journey and this, all this cool stuff that happened and about how they got into this because of this backstory and, and all these amazing things. And then I'd say, man, you know, I did take a peek at your site before this conversation. And I just heard what you said right now. And nowhere on the site are you saying any of these things, right? I'm seeing wow. their face light up. I'm seeing them get excited about it. Yet you go to their site and it's a brochure type website that doesn't say anything and looks like every other website just like it, right? And so I think what's changed more recently, even more so, is brands incorporating more of like that, that personality into it, right? And, and being able to tell their story about why they do what they do. Because I think more and more people are wanting to work with brands that they could relate to, right? That they understand, that have the same mission as they do, that have the same values that they do. And if we are scared to talk about those things because we're trying to appease everybody, then it just waters down our complete marketing message to a point where we're not marketing to anybody, right? And so oftentimes I wouldn't tell business owners their baby was ugly, but I would let them get excited and light up about the what their business means to them and the story mm -hmm. around it. And then say, cool, let's go look at your website and see where you say any of that. Right. And they'd be that's like, pretty good. No, that's they don't talk about it. Right. And so like, that's... I could just see a light bulb go off. Right. And so <laughs> this good. is like, this is we're storytellers, right? That's what we are is we're taking that story that's in his head that he just told me. And now I need to communicate that online so that mm -hmm. he can tell that story to anybody that visits his website. Right. Without being there. That's essentially what I want to do, because if I could get that excitement out of him and out to the world, then that's what his website should be doing. It should be like if somebody walked up to him, shook his hand and said, tell me about your business. Right. That's what it should be there to do. And so if I can get that across to them and then incorporate those things, then I can have a lot more successful website than any of these other cookie cutter websites that are out there trying to just be super vanilla and plain and appease everybody. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, but I got to push back on you, fellas. Because right. I've met a lot of people who are like, but guys, this sounds awesome, but I really don't want nobody to know me. <laughs> I just want them to focus on the product or service that I provide. I'm not really yeah. interested in people getting to know who I am. In fact, guess what? I don't even want me personally <laughs> to be attached to the brand of the business. Um, right. Help, help the person who kind of thinks that way. Uh, what yeah. what do you say to people who feel like that? Because there's a lot of people that I've met that behind the scenes, they're like, 
yeah, I don't want to be in our world. You know, we call that an attractive character. They're like, I refuse, yeah. right? Right. Help help somebody who's thinking that because I know that people that hear this and they're going, but yeah, I don't I don't want that. I don't want my story and my that's not what yeah. I'm interested in. How would you help somebody navigate getting at least to a point where they realize that truthfully you are the brand and you are the reason that somebody's <laughs> gonna buy, not just because you yeah. have a great product or service. Yeah, that that's such a good question. And I think what I tell that person is that the brand can be the attractive character, right? Think about brands like Harley Davidson. Think about brands like Apple, right? You can envision the personality of that of that business and brand just by thinking about it, right? Because they have come out and take, taken a stand. They do talk about what you know values they have and what their beliefs are, and they stick to those things and they say, here's who we are, and you're either part of that or you're not, right? And so that's what attracts people or repels them to, which is okay, because that strong attraction is what creates that like cult-like following for those brands, right? It's because they have gone out there and they put a stake in the ground and said, this is who we are, this is what we're about. And so you can do that with a brand as well, in addition to an attractive character by following those same um, same tactics about how you can stand up since then create that you know attractive character. So everything that Russell's talked about, creating an attractive character can be done for a brand as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be a face on that. Right. I will say though, it's gonna be a lot harder of a lift. It is. Yeah. It's gonna be a much more challenging of a journey to do that, right? So what did it take for Harley Davidson to create that kind of an impression in all of our minds, right? Where you have this vehicle, it's you, your face, your body, your name, your words, the things that make you you, that is free to use, right? You can be your own spokesperson. That's why I think, you know, we, we don't really talk about Tesla, we talk about Elon Musk, mm -hmm. right? We don't talk about, you know, I mean, even to use Apple as an example, right? Steve Jobs, right there, he's not even alive anymore, <laughs> but we still associate this person and this identity with that. Mm -hmm. And the way that he thought and talked and spoke and presented himself is very much embodied in that Apple brand, mm -hmm. right? So even these big companies are using that. And so you could hire a spokesperson to be that, but like, you know, if you're starting a business brand new, you have this vehicle, you, your body, your voice, your name, the things that you do, your passions to come forward. And you already own that. And the, the ability to, to step out there is scary, right? Like, do I say the right thing? Like an imposter syndrome, it, it, it weighs on many of us. Mm -hmm. And so it's a matter of taking small steps into that, you know? Yeah, we've had more and more people that have come to us wanting to separate from the brand a little bit and, and really wanting to put their attractive character forward to be its own thing because guess what that's the one thing that they're always going to have right you might sell your business you might start another business you might become affiliated by with this other business but the one thing that's going to be the common denominator with any of those things is you right and so the, if you want to invest in a brand it should be your you as that brand because you can carry that anywhere that you go Hey, somehow you were able to find the Grow Your Side Business podcast, and I thank you. I'm glad you're listening. You've been sharing, you've been liking, but here's one thing I want to be able to do. We want even more people just like you to find this show. Now, the best way that people discover this show is leaving a review. So if you would do me a favor, leave a review. It literally takes five seconds. We're trying to get up to a thousand reviews across all of our platforms. So it doesn't matter where you listen to this podcast. Just go in, tap in, leave us a review. I would absolutely be so grateful that you did so that other people can hear it. Let's get back to the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. We've talked about the purpose of a website, but now we got to flip over to this thing that you guys created that 
quite honestly, I still think it's the most underrated <laughs> way of 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 getting that story, that message, that branding out there. And that is a funnel hub. So mm-hmm. so let's let's break down in the simplest form. And I think this is the way I want to go with it. Help our audience understand the difference between a static site and what a funnel hub's um, main point, focus, and mission is, and how those, how the, how the migration of those two things are so important um, for for anybody. Doesn't matter whether you're starting the day with your side business or you got a big business and you're trying to, you want to make a change from when people encounter your your digital presence. Talk about the differences of that and kind of give people a simple understanding of how this works. Yeah, I think we've kind of been dancing around it. So mm-hmm. like we've laid a good foundation so far. So if everyone just thinks about what I talked about with respect to overcoming objections, right, and answering questions combined with the the personal personality and the personal branding and then the and this attractive character of who you are and what you stand for, um, we're going to draw on that in a minute. But you figure, you know, skepticism and doubt is at an all-time high today, right? When you are considering a purchase or even not a purchase, you're thinking about registering for a webinar, downloading a podcast, opting in for something for free, our doubt and our worry and our skepticism is at an all-time high. So the question is, how do we get people over the trust tipping point from the point where they're going to buy your thing or they're just going to abandon and go somewhere else? And and the Funnel Hub plays a role in that. And I'll explain that in a moment. But like first, a quick story. So when we joined Russell Brunson's inner circle back in 2015, uh, we entered a room uh, in Boise, Idaho in the beginning of January, and it was dark and cold outside. We were the only ones there because we showed up so early. We're so nervous to be late that we showed up like an hour at least early. We were the only ones in the room. We took our seats at our name cards that had our name uh, printed at the table, and we saw everybody else's name cards on the table. So we did what two guys... I think would do with uh, idle time and access to the internet. We started Googling everybody's names. And what we found was kind of interesting. We found cases where we couldn't find the person, right? Now keep in mind, all these people had paid at that time, 25 K to be in that room. Um, Just a bunch of like internet and business nerds that were getting (laughs) together to talk about marketing secrets. Right. Um, And they had no footprint or in other cases we found like, the middle of their value ladder, like, Oh, they're, they're like selling some mastermind or something, or we would find like, they're a realtor and then we would meet them in person. They're like, Oh, they're not a realtor anymore. They're now like a a fitness and lifestyle coach or something. Right. And so we were, the point was that we were finding incongruent things about these people online. So the question I want to ask people here is when somebody doesn't know who you are and they're considering buying something for you, like, what do they do? Like, what do you do? Well, a lot of people will look for reviews. They'll look for any sign that you are who you say you are. And the thing that should show up when somebody's searching for your name, your brand name, the things that you do is your funnel hub. It's a website that's number one job is to overcome that doubt and skepticism. Too many people are building these static websites, as you you put it, that don't overcome doubt. They don't overcome skepticism. And they're just these brochure type websites that do very little to convert someone. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you think of it, the, all these people are kind of like attorneys, right? They're trying to make the case for either why you're, you've done the deed well, or you've done it poorly. Right. And they're, they don't care whether or not you win or lose. They're just trying to gather the evidence to figure out what's the real story. And so when somebody's looking for you, they need to find a funnel hub. And the number one job of a funnel hub is to get people back into your sales funnel. 
So maybe you're running traffic to a webinar, maybe you're running ads on Facebook and people are looking for what you do. Well, we need to overcome that doubt and skepticism by showing them more about your personal brand, right? Your attractive character, the things you do, your reviews. And that's what belongs on a funnel hub because a funnel hub that is working successfully is going to overcome that doubt of someone who's thinking about buying or thinking about opting in and getting them back to the place where that could actually happen. You know, when we started running our first webinars online, you know, we were happy, right? If we converted 10% mm -hmm. of the people that came in, but what about the other 90%? What happened to them? Why didn't they buy? Well, we didn't have enough doubt. We didn't overcome enough of that doubt and skepticism. So at the end of the day, a funnel hub is a website. It's just a website designed in a particular way that produces a better result. Just like, you know, a Ferrari is a car, but we could all agree it's a pretty sweet car. <laughs> but at the end of the day, is it the same as a Ford Taurus? Well, kinda, right? But not, right? There's different, there's strategy involved. And the strategy is about making sure you have the right content there to overcome doubt and skepticism to get people back into the sales funnel. So it sounds like you guys spend uh, you guys are like the, the the carpenter or the woodcutter. I measure twice and cut once, right? It sounds like you guys spend a lot of time up front to AJ, your point of tell me your story. Let's get let's figure that part out first, right? And see where the the thread can can lead to your business. And Mike, to your point about all right, well, now if we have that understanding of your story and kind of who you are as a portion of this brand, we gotta lead people somewhere when they're clicking, when they're, when they're showing up, when they want to, want to learn something. Um, how, how have you seen people leverage the idea of funnel hubs that you go, wow, I knew we were onto something, but I didn't see it that way. Right. Or, or, you know, you, you had somebody come in and they kind of started working with you and it turned into something that was just amazing you got any of those stories or any of those people that you know you, you could share kind of how how that that process kind of worked to turn into something that really uh spoke to something that you know probably even beyond you guys's imagination yeah no doubt yeah 100 percent. so one of the first funnel hubs that we did was actually for steve larson who i think a lot of your audience probably knows but big, big name in digital marketing and uh what we saw when we were looking at his online presence is when you would search for steve larson what would come up in like the top eight spots was Steve Larson, the author, right? There's some old man that was like an author, yeah, brilliant that, psychologist, read, wrote a lot of books. Yeah. And so he was showing up pretty much owning the entire first page. And obviously our Steve Larson had a problem with that. He's like, you know, I'm putting content out pretty much every single channel. I put content out every single day. And, you know, when somebody searches me, they can't even find me. Right. And so we're like, you need a funnel hub. And so what the funnel hub did is it helped Google piece together the web of all these different properties that he had that were really one, right? Really tied together. It, I think it was like two weeks after we launched his funnel hub that everything flip-flopped. He now had the top eight spots on the first page of Google. And this other guy was pushed down to the bottom. And in that first uh, month, I think he said he saw a 500% increase in organic traffic to his website. Now, guess what? He didn't do anything different to generate more traffic. It's not like he increased his ad spend. It's not like he's did anything tricky here. That was people that were already looking for him, but they just weren't finding him. And so just by building this, it helped position his brand to where people could actually find him 
see what he was about, check off their boxes, right? Can I trust him? Is there a case study that looks like mine? You know, is it, is he legit? Does it look professional? Mm. Like all those different indicators, right? And it was, when it was able to do those things, guess what? All of his, his conversions went through the roof too. And so one of the cool things is that he started saying that affiliates were like, hey, we're, we're making more money with you than we've ever made because guess what? Their affiliate commissions were going up because he was getting higher conversions on all his stuff as a result of this as well. And so that's one big story, I think, of, of how this can really impact somebody. Um, the truth is that you don't need to wait until you're getting that much traffic in order to own Google's results for your, for your name. That should happen from day one, right? Or at least that should be the goal from day one. Like you want to make sure that you're squeezing out every single conversion and opportunity out of your funnel traffic mm -hmm. that you can by making sure that when somebody has that credit card in hand and they're like, cool, this webinar sounded great and I'm going to buy this 997 product, but I better go search online real quick and do my due diligence. And then they don't find anything or they find you as a realtor. And like Mike said, you're a lifestyle coach and they're like, is, is he even serious about this? Like, is this what he does or is this a whatever, right? And so I think you want to make sure that you have those ducks in a row from day one. You know, Russell has said that the number one thing he does now when he starts a new company, the first thing he does before building a funnel or anything else is he builds a funnel hub because he knows that without that, there's a hole in his marketing bucket and he's going to lose opportunities. He's going to lose conversions by not having that in place from the get go. You know, you guys inspired the heck out of me. Uh, when I first heard your story, I went, and built mine, as you can see here. Nice. I went and did the work. Yeah, job, <laughs> I, I went and got it done because I was like, you guys, you, you get it. Like, you guys really understand what this thing should look like and how it should be done. And, I, and, I, and I'm always constantly adding new things, evolving some stuff. I'm, I'm yeah. you know, testing some different things out. But, you know, when I, when I heard what you guys were doing, I felt like, it was a little early, mm -hmm. right? Like meaning I don't think people caught it when you guys first were like sharing it. Is that, did you guys feel that too? Did it seem, were people a little bit confused about like the why, or maybe it wasn't hitting yet. And then I'll tell you when it made like the world of sense to me. So I, <laughs> I, of course I was listening to the podcast and I saw the, I saw the episode that you guys did, but I think the thing that really hit home for me was when you guys explained what you just shared that especially given let's just be real the internet is now noisy way more than it was in 1999 okay no doubt so, so back mm -hmm. then everybody could find you because there was nothing on online and there was no traffic right. today you gotta fight for somebody to get off that information highway and, and land onto your exit right so absolutely I, I've 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 come to just every every day I look at it and I and I think about this funnel hub idea. I've I've grown more appreciation to it and more value. I'm curious as to how how you see and tell me if you guys have had this yet, but this is something I thought about. How could a corporation use a funnel hub in order to transform the journey for them? I, I'm thinking about you know, big consulting firms. I'm thinking about mm -hmm. banks. I'm thinking, I'm talking about like big companies, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're static, right? It's kind of all the same stuff. But how do you even see like a, a huge corporation leveraging a funnel hub? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the principles are universal and they scale depend no matter what size of business. You know, AJ said a moment ago, 
Like even if you're just starting out, right, there is an opportunity to capture attention from people who are skeptical and convert those folks. I know that when we were first starting out, like the difference between one sale and zero sales that week was massive, mm -hmm. right? And if we could go one more week just getting one sale, right, that was an indicator to us that we were on the right track. And so if that's true on the small side, you know, we're just amplifying it at the corporate end. We're just amplifying that. And so these corporations have the ability to show up in a way that helps to be more of a personalized brand, even if it's not a person, right? And getting people back into the places that are, are most high value to them. So in a big corporation, like what is that? They have so many different avenues in which they're either trying to monetize or to create more value for the people that are their constituents. And so it's, it's getting folks into more funnels and getting them back into sales channels, right? Because all that's different is that these big corporations are creating more people that are doubtful and skeptical. <laughs> like we could agree on that, right? They're spending more on ads. They're spending more on marketing. They have more visibility. They have more followers on social and they're making more claims and more offers to these people. And what is that doing? Well, that's getting some people to buy their thing or, or do what they want them to do but it's getting way more people to be doubtful about it. And so I would challenge any corporation to look at how many people are looking for your brand name? How many people are looking for the brands of your products? Then I would also look at how many are looking for that combination of your brand names or products plus scam, plus reviews, plus you know any you know piece of information <laughs> that's gonna help them assess that. Mm -hmm. And I would bet, because I know this because we've done this for corporations, we've done also for big influencers and coach, coaching businesses, is that there's a significant amount of search volume for things like that. You know, how many people are searching for adding the word scam on the back end of the name ClickFunnels, right? Or scam on the back end of any other offer that's out there or, or reviews. And people are looking for that. And I think that that's where these corporations have even a bigger opportunity to tap into the, the massive number of non-conversions that they're having, right? Mm -hmm. the, the truth is we do, most, you, you hope and pray that most of the people that you make an offer to will buy the thing that you're offering. Mm -hmm. But we know that's not true. A very successful businesses are run on a very small percentage of people who say yes and actually take their credit card out of their wallet. There's way more people that could go to Walmart right now than are actually going. And there's a lot of people that walk into Walmart that never buy anything either, right? And so those are the kind of things that we need to look at is where is the doubt and skepticism in your business? And it doesn't matter if you're big or small and how do we insert ourselves in the moment where somebody's considering whether or not they want to move past that doubt or not. Yeah. We've seen it time and time again, where there's millions of brand searches with that brand plus reviews or plus scam or plus ripoff. Right. And then when we type any of those words in Google, the brand doesn't even show up. There's all these other companies that are showing up, right? And the people that have learned that, hey, they're, they're trying to siphon off this search traffic that this company's created, right? Because the competitor to brand ripoff has an article that's like, brand is a ripoff, right? And that article's ranking number one. And then they say, you know what? You're right, they are a ripoff. Buy from us instead, right? And so they've figured that out but a lot of these big brands haven't figured that out yet. And so that's probably the biggest opportunity is for them to take back control of the searches that are happening that are related to their brand and telling the story that they want it to tell and controlling the sentiment in the way that they want to control it. 
Hey, are you working your day job and you find yourself successfully discontent? Yeah, that's right. You got the house, the car, the money, the title, but there's still something missing. Well, guess what? You're not by yourself. And in fact, I found myself there and there are thousands of others just like you, probably sitting in the cube next to you or on your on their way to work just like you are. Well, listen, I decided to create a community. That's right. I have a free newsletter that speaks directly to us. It is called Successfully Discontent. Go to SuccessfullyDiscontent.com right now. It's free. It's a free newsletter. You'll get it every single week. Tips, tricks, strategies, information for those of us who have found ourselves achieving the most in corporate America, but also successfully discontent. Go to successfullydiscontent.com right now. That's successfullydiscontent.com right now. What are you waiting on? Go ahead and go there right now. Grab your phone, go to your browser on your iPad or whatever your mobile device is, wherever you listen to this and go right now to successfullydiscontent.com. Let's get back to the episode. Love it, man. All right, let's get tactical real quick before we uh, land this plane. I got a side business, Mike and AJ. I'm ready to rock. I like this idea of funnel hubs. I'm going to build one. What should be included? Give me the top three or four things that need to be included inside that funnel hub. All right, love it. Understand that the main goal of a funnel hub is to get somebody back into a funnel, right? So a funnel is more than likely where your sales are happening. That's where people or where people are opting in. A funnel is the num number one vehicle to turn a client or a prospect into a paying customer, right? So if we believe that, then we have to understand that our funnel hubs job is to get people there. So how do we do that? We need to make sure that we expose the various places of our value ladder, the things that we offer on the funnel hub. So some people might not be ready to pay you for your $25,000 thing, right? But some people might be. So we need to make sure that the offers that you have, the, the entirety of the, of the places where people can land, whether they're just ready for the free thing, hey, give me that free download and that information sheet and I'll give you my email address in exchange for it. Like that's some people we wanna serve. And then on the other side, maybe somebody's ready to apply for working with your consulting company or working with you directly. So we wanna make sure that all of those services are easily accessible. That's like number one has to be there with a funnel hub. And you'd be surprised, it sounds basic, right? Well, of course, if we want people to buy the thing, mm -hmm. we need to show them where to go buy it. Or if they want people to opt in, we need to connect them to the place where they need to opt in. That sounds very basic. And you're like, well, duh, Mike, that's obvious. But I challenge you, go look at your own stuff. Is it really there? Can somebody who's ready for your stuff buy the thing that they need or get to the place where they need to, right? So that's like bare minimum. You know, a couple other categories is reviews. Absolutely. You, people want to see that you're it's not only able to do something, but that you do it well, right? So any reviews that you have, any case studies that you have, you know, they want to like, have you ever been on Amazon looking for something? And there's like a ton of reviews, but you're looking for the guy or person that's just like you that has the same exact problem you do and same exact equipment you do or whatever that you're trying to fix. And, and once you find that one, then you're like, yes, somebody else had that. And you scroll the top and you buy it, right? Like you just want to confirm that they can help with your specific problem. So the more social proof that you have, that might really be all that, that they need to move forward. Yeah. You know, other things to look at is, um, you know, what is that story of who you are, right? So this is where that attractive character comes into play. Um, and if it, even if it's not you as a person, like it's your brand. So what do you stand for, right? What are the things that make you different? What's your mission? What things can you throw rocks at 
and, and say, you know, hey, we do it this way and here's why we do it. And there's those guys over there that do it that way and that way's wrong and this is the right way. So take a stand for something, right? Give people a window into who that identity is, right? And it may, you may think, well, how would I do that for a window cleaning company, right? I guarantee you ask the owner, a passionate owner of a local window cleaning company about what makes them different and why they started their business, they're going to be able to tell you a story. Is that story on their funnel hub, right? And if it's not, it's not a funnel hub, right? It's probably some static website, some just brochure where that they cranked out a long time ago and it's not doing anything for them. And so like, those are the real key components is what are the things that are going to overcome down skepticism? Well, reviews, AJ said it, right? Examples of overcoming that. Um, what are, what helps somebody become enamored with you and your brand and, and, and get to know you as a person or as a, as a brand itself? Well, those stories and what you stand for. And then once those things have overcome, let's get them back. Let's get them back into the funnels where they, where the business can actually happen. Right. And so those are the main categories. There's other nuances to that for sure. But yeah. if you have those three things covered, like you're in, you're in really great shape. I think that's good. You got you guys have been talking about this thing about reviews, reviews, and that's the way the world is now. People are leveraging reviews before they make a decision. If my business is past toddler stage and we're walking, we're kind of getting there. How do I go about getting reviews, guys? What do I need to do? What's some things that I can do to 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 be able to put some reviews out there? Yeah, yeah. Reviews is something we've spent a lot of time of our career. Um, it's like. You know, if people know us as the agency guys, the funnel hub guys. And if there's a third category, it's like the guys who always talk about reviews and, and online reputation. So um, reviews are incredibly important. So the number one thing you got to ask, right? <laughs> I mean, it sounds one. basic, right? You're like, Mike, this is, you know, they're going to tell you, Chris, that this is the dumbest interview ever. Like they just told us <laughs> stuff we already knew. But, but seriously, so the stuff that's easy is sometimes easy not to do. Right? And not, not just ask, ask everybody. Right. Like don't try and cherry pick and just pick like the best ones because only a small percentage of the people that you ask are actually going to leave reviews. So you want to make sure you're asking enough people so that you actually get the result. Right. And some people will be like, I don't, I'm just starting out. I don't have anybody ask reviews yet. That's fine. Who are your vendors? Right. Who are the people that you're working with? Who's your CPA? Who's your, who's your, you know, web designer? <laughs> Who are the people that are doing business with you that can stand up and say, yeah, these guys are good. I know them and I'm willing to, to vouch for them, right? And so that's a great place to start. Um, the other thing I'd say is beyond asking, ask again and keep asking. And then when you think that they forgot about you, ask again and again and again, right? Like asking one time for a review is a recipe for getting no reviews. Like you're busy, right? Like people have a lot of things going on. So asking consistently, having a system for making sure that you're not just asking once, but asking repeatedly. Yeah, and then just making it easy for them to leave a review. Where do you want them to leave a review? Is it on Google? Is it on Facebook? Is it on Yelp? Is it on, you know, any of these other sites that, that allow you to submit them, direct them where to go. Don't just say like, leave me a review online. Yep. My mom, if I asked her to leave you a review, she would not know where to start with that. Right. How do I even get to the spot where I can start typing? She's like, can I just, can I just text it to you? No, 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 mom, you got to do it this certain way. So making it easy is about giving them the, the direct spot where it can go and, and maybe even some instructions along with it. Yeah, I think that's super dope. You know, I've even seen where people are tying a freebie, if you will, to a review, right? A free ebook, a free 10 step whatever for, you know, when you leave a review on Google or uh, Apple Podcasts, right? Like I've seen a lot of people do a lot of cool things around reviews. Uh, yeah. and, and talking about reviews, you guys about that, have though, built Chris, something. Just, 
that I think is pretty incredible. Um, Review Pro Launchpad. Let, let's talk a little bit about this. And 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 what are you trying to help that person do uh, as they migrate through this this Launchpad program? Awesome. I, I just want to back up real quick and say, um, just be really careful about the incentives you offer for reviews. Is that in especially for Google, their terms and conditions? If they believe that you're you're baiting reviews with some sort of incentive, it's like kind of a no no. And it can get you in trouble. So just want to issue, I want to give you that caveat for anyone who's like, all right, like let's that. give away like a $20 like Starbucks that. card and like that kind of thing. So just be careful. I'm not yeah, saying yeah. there's not ways that people do that and play, <laughs> play in the gray area, but just want to want to mention that. But yeah, Review Pro Launchpad. So one of the cool things that we've been uh, able to do in our careers is actually help people start agencies. Um, the folks that join our agency coaching program, the name of our, our, our company's agency coach, uh, one of the things that we got our start was actually helping people either bolt on or start an agency around the idea of helping local businesses get more five-star reviews. Yeah, and it's super awesome because it's an easy product for you to actually implement, right? It, it runs on a software that does 90% of the work. And so it gets really great results that are tangible and everybody always wins with it, right? And so it's a, such an easy service to sell, almost like a no-brainer because guess what? There's not a whole lot of education involved. Business owners know that they need reviews. They've probably tried getting them by asking their top customers, asking their friends and family. And then like, once those ones are in there, they're not sure what else to do after that. And it's not something a lot of people are talking about, right? Every business owner has been hit over the head a million times with, let me help you with the website. Let me help you with search engine optimization. Like they're tired of hearing that, right? You're not gonna get through. But when you say, hey, can I help you get more five-star reviews on Google? They're like, ears perk up. Yeah, how would you do that? I've been trying to do that for years. This guy, my competitor has 100 and I have 10 and I can't figure out how he's doing it. Well, that's a perfect opportunity for you to step in and help. And uh, we've just seen so many people come in with that and get super crazy results. It's an awesome, awesome foot in the door that gets tangible tangible results every single time. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, I, lo I love the concept, especially the fact that some it's to me it's like a business in a box right if, you, if you've yeah. never you know tried anything like that this would be a, a great great opportunity to be able to do so last couple of things i want to i want to uh talk about and again i appreciate you guys time um yeah. i've had the opportunity to um interview different people different types of businesses who are struggling with different challenges uh, as they continue to grow their business, um, what word of advice would you give to those who are, um, they're building this side business, but they're running into resistance. It's part of the normal day, but to them, it's, it feels like a weight, right? Uh, I think the Mike Tyson quote is everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the <laughs> face, right? So they're getting punched in the face right now as they build their business. What kind of advice would you give those people who are just finding it difficult? Um, you know, there's there's lots of different ways that people look at things. But I'm just curious for, for the work that you guys do and the lens that you have on uh, the way you should communicate a business. I'm curious as to how do you guys help people in your in your programs and the, and the, and the folks around you, even your peers? Uh, be able to navigate when they're getting punched in the face just by building a business? Yeah, great question. And it's a really simple answer. Surround yourself by people who are doing the <laughs> same thing 
and maybe even consider working with a coach who's done the thing that you want to do, right? Um, I think sometimes we get stuck in these ideas that we have to do it all ourselves. Um, you know, coach that I worked with called it the lone wolf syndrome, right? That somehow that if we don't do it ourselves and figure it out, it doesn't count, doesn't matter, right? And I think the reason that happens, like, think of this, when you were back in school, did you ever have a teacher tell you, hey, we're going to have a quiz, right? And how'd you feel about that? Like, everyone's like, ah, no quiz, right? But what if the teacher then said, but it's open book, right? And everyone's like, yeah, open book, sweet. Everyone's really happy, right? Why do we love open books? Why? The reason is because life is an open book test, right? Think about that for a second. Life is an open book test, but here you are trying to create a business, trying to be successful, and you've closed the books. You've created your own system that's locked you up and, and you're thinking you got to figure it out yourself, right? School is amazing. There's a lot of things that, that we get out of it, but there's also some bad habits that we've ingrained ourselves with, right? Myron Golden calls it uh, what government indoctrination camps, right? <laughs> and for a reason, because they teach us some bad habits too. And one of those bad habits is realize, is thinking that we have to figure it out on our own, thinking that we have to go and do it all by ourselves, and that it's actually wrong to ask for help when the, the complete opposite is true. We are tribal people right? We are community-based people. We grow and learn and survive by being around other people. So what makes you think it's any different in your business? Find a community, find a coach, find the people who've done it, read the books, invest yourself in that, recognize that things are going to be tough and hard, and that's okay. But it's way better when you've got a community of people surrounding you. Man, I love it. Um, last thing I'll, I'll ask guys is when you think of the words successfully discontent, um, it took me, you know, three and a half years to come up with the two words that would be impactful for our newsletter, uh, and kind of the mission of, of what, what we do here. Um, when you think of successfully discontent and when you think of it for, for those that you serve, right. Um, how does, how do those two words resonate with you and, and what are you guys doing in your world? whether it be with uh, new people who are coming in saying, hey, help me, my hair is on fire. I need to figure this thing <laughs> out with my business to, hey, I want to, you know, grab this, you know, review launch pad and I want to I want to start something to the, the just the, the peers that you're working with every day in the fight with you. H how are you guys helping those who find themselves successfully discontent? Yeah, so that that resonates with me quite a bit because that's exactly how I felt in the corporate world, right? To the point where I actually left it to go work for somebody. And so I totally get that. And I think it's a perfect fit for what you've got going on here. The way that we solve that, because it can happen in an agency too, is by focusing our energy on helping our students to build recurring revenue, right? Like so many businesses are built on the back of having to create new sales each and every month. And this is something that took us forever to learn, right? We were in this feast and famine cycle all the time where every single month, Mike and I were racking our brains. What, what's the campaign we're going to come out with this week to get, to get uh, customers? What are we going to do next month? What are we going to do next week? And we we're creating a business that was like this launch business that wasn't really a business, right? Like if you have a business that operates without recurring income and you've got to go out there and fight for it every single month, you don't really have a business, right? Like you need to be able to have a business that can actually produce um, the amount of money that you need for expenses and payroll and all those other things without having to get extra sales. And so Mike and I, 
were able to build our businesses to a point where they could run and pay for all of our expenses without us having to get extra sales. And, and the reason why I want to couple that with your question about discontentment, when you're in a spot where your back's against the wall and you've got to come up with like these crazy campaigns and what we call Hail Marys in order to make your business work, you're going to be discontent. It's not the right place to create from. But when you come into a business where guess what? My bills are paid. I know I can pay my employees. I know that you know I've got that money. I know if I wanted to take next month off, I could take it off. And you can create from that space. Man, that's where magic happens. That's where Mike and I were really to create, able to create the things that we teach about today because we were following our intuition. We were following our passion. We were following our hearts, not just trying to earn the quick buck that we needed in that moment. And so I think happiness in business is, is recurring revenue and continuity. And I think there's too many businesses that don't focus on that enough. And if you want to be happy in business, you need to have that recurring revenue. Right. I mean, I think, you know, in a corporate environment, you have recurring revenue. You have a paycheck that recurs <laughs> right. again and again and again. And I think that people will start a business not realizing that they need to also create that same recurring revenue inside of their own business. Right. Except for when you own the business, it's a much different environment and you'll be a lot more lot more content. And so I think we have to redefine what it means to be successful, right? You know, being successful, but discontent, are you really that successful? Right? So we need to change the focus and understand that success means also being successful financially, but also happy with how that's happening. And I think that entrepreneurship, I think that um, business ownership is the number one and maybe only place in my opinion, where that happens yeah absolutely absolutely well man listen you guys i, I want to say this um as we wrap up i appreciate you guys uh a lot because uh one you didn't quit <laughs> um <laughs> i know a lot of times it's pretty easy to probably do uh yeah. you know but i appreciate the fact that you guys didn't quit i appreciate the fact that you guys walked in that room an hour early nervous as all get out and you heard Russell like bash the idea of websites and you guys looked at each other and were like, uh, are we here for real? Is this being punked right now? But you kept going. I appreciate the fact that you, you sat down and had that conversation with him and that because without that, he wouldn't have seen it. He, mm -hmm. he wouldn't have known what you guys saw. Right. Um, right. and the fact that you guys joined the community to be able to share your expertise. So I'm just, I'm just appreciative that, that you guys have done that and that you have, you have a story that you're able to share with others who are either just starting out or continuing to build and want to grow. Um, and, and I think one of the cool things about uh, where you guys are today um, is there's so much more that can be done. There's so many more collaborative opportunities. There's so much, uh, uh, there's so much that's changing, but from your perspective and the work that you guys do, a lot's remaining the same. And right. so uh, I, I think that's where the nuances and everything is there. So I just appreciate you guys uh, for, for, for continuing to, to, to be in the fight, be a part of the community, being able to share. I'll leave you guys with any last words of wisdom you'd like to share with our audience. Um, both of you, uh, AJ, we'll start with you and then, and then Mike, you can end it off. Uh, I just share that, man, if you're in the corporate world, feeling that discontentment and knowing there's something else that's out there for you, chase it. Like being on the other side of it now, I can say 100%, as much as I love into it, I appreciate all of the training, all the learning, all the education I got from them. 
like I'm so much happier on this side. Right. And I feel so much more in control of my life. And I feel like I can recognize the true impact that I'm having on my community and on the world, you know, in, in this capacity. And that's just so much more rewarding than sitting in a cubicle or office and, and trying to do the raw, raw thing with the corporate community. Yeah, I think I couldn't say it better than that. And I've witnessed that from my side of, of not being in the corporate environment, <laughs> but watching you thrive in this and, and help me in, in, in our working relationship and, and friendship in just an amazing way. And I guess I'll just wrap up by saying, if you're on the fence about jumping into it, jump on in. The water's fine. <laughs> it's quite fun. And we're having a lot of fun over here and hope, hope you'll join us. Cause, and by the way, we're all here to support you in that. Absolutely. Well, listen, everybody, man, you guys have heard another great conversation, another great interview. Listen, here's the thing. You guys know I say this at the end of every single interview, but it's just true. What are you going to do with what you just heard? What is the next step? Not the 10th one, not what you're going to do in 2024. What are you going to do right now based on the information that you heard? Okay. Make sure that you go and subscribe to Successfully Discontent. Go to SuccessfullyDiscontent.com right now. Go subscribe. It's a free newsletter. Tips, tricks, strategies, more information. And I share a ton of stories that you get a chance to really be able to see and hear from those who are doing it just like you. I want to thank Mike and AJ for coming and for sharing their wisdom. Make sure that in the comments you share a quote or something that you heard from them. We'll make sure that we share it with them as well. Thank you guys so much for being here again. Until I see you guys in the next episode, please make sure that you take massive action towards your dreams and goals. Take care, everybody. See you in the next time.